Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of the Cassandra Properties podcast. I am joined today by a dear friend, mentor, and everything in between, John Vernazza, who is also our office manager. How are we doing, John? Great, James. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> it's always a happy Monday <laughs> at Cassandra Properties. That's right. That's right. So we wanted to talk today. Uh, of course, I want to do an introduction of John and uh, just kind of roll up all of the things that we've been doing together. John will talk about his affiliations out over at the state. Uh, super, super involved, plugged in, uh, really a tremendous asset for the company and the community. Um, and he's going to talk a little bit about his history and how he came to Cassandra Properties. And then for the value of the day, if you will, we're trying to deliver value folks beyond the, uh, the introductions and, and of course, offering our insights into the market. We're going to talk about uh, Staten Island, the borough. We're going to talk about uh, some stats on Staten Island and why Staten Island is really positioned as a, a great place to make an investment. And we'll, we'll get into those details a little bit later in the podcast. But let's start. John, uh, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. Um, I'm a native Staten Islander, proud to say that. And uh, I, I've been here since 19... Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go into that. <laughs> um, but I've seen the island grow dramatically throughout the years. Uh, I tell many of people I, um, I remember when Richmond Avenue between Highland Boulevard and Amboy Road was a dirt road. Yep. And uh, I could remember every Saturday with my mother taking us kids and throwing us into the back of the car and telling us to be good otherwise we'd have uh, we'd pay for it later on <laughs> while she went shopping up and down richmond avenue to all the farms for her fresh vegetables for the week right where, where the building is now used to be farmland absolutely crampana's farm yeah people don't don't realize that not too long ago staten island had a very different complexion absolutely absolutely but those were back in the um you know the pre-bridge uh, pre-verizano bridge and uh, forgotten borough status and uh and we've come a very, very long way. Um, it's uh, it's the incredible growth that I've seen to you know, to nearly um, half a million people living on the island, and uh, we are no longer a forgotten borough. Amen. Uh, yep. Thank God for that. Is right. And um, so I um, I had a uh, you know my uh, I'm really a fairly boring individual. I mean, my <laughs> education uh, you know uh, was. Uh, you know, Catholic grammar school, at, uh, you know, Our Lady Queen of Peace in New Dorp, where I was born and raised, and New Dorp High School, and then off to St. John's University up on, um, first in downtown Brooklyn, and then it moved to Grimes Hill. Yep. Um, and uh, I have a bachelor's degree in um, business administration with a concentration in finance. Um, and um, I've uh, worked on Wall Street for a number of years. I was a director of a, uh, and a trader and a broker for... Um, international finance and oh, foreign exchange markets. What what time period was that? That was, uh, uh oh, now I'm going to start giving away. <laughs> but, uh, that was from. I'm uh, reverse engineering your age, <laughs> yeah. folks. That's what I'm trying to do <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> Get those pens out now. <laughs> uh, but that was from 1974 till uh, 1998. Wow. So you saw yeah. quite a rip. Yep. Why do we is right? I and, bet uh, you have some stories from back oh, in those days. I huh? always said I, I'm going to write a book, and uh, and some of it's going to be uh, very informative, and some of it's going to be quite funny. Um, so you saw so 1998, uh, back in 1998, a lot of the digital transformation started to to take hold, right? Yeah. So we had about 12 international money market firms in the, around the world. Um, uh, my company that I worked for had 17 offices around the world. Wow. Um, and uh, I was a director of the uh, money markets, um, and um, I had uh, five vice presidents answering to me. And uh, um, it was uh, uh, it was a good career. It was a wonderful company. Um, and um, but at the age of at the ripe old age of forty eight, uh, so there's a there's another quick uh, uh, a number to put into your equation. I um, um, uh, I was. Um, it basically came down to the digital market. It also came down to the fact that Euro was born. Mm -hmm. And th so the Deutsche Mark was gone, the French franc was gone, the Belgian fi uh, financials were gone, uh, plus many others. 
uh, lira, so on and so forth. So it, it imploded the market considerably, and 12 companies, about 12, went down to five companies in no time. So I found myself uh, at, um, you know, at the age of 48 wondering where I was going to find my next career. So you, you've gone through now two complete digital overhauls, right? Because, you know, our last podcast, Peter, who uh, I, I forgot to mention, of course, Peter's in the corner on the ones and twos, as always. Uh, Peter gave a great roll-up of how to navigate the digital world, kind of the basics, but really healthy ones. So this is the second time that you've seen an industry completely yep. revolutionized by technology. Sure. We went from, in 1998, we went from the, the monthly books that we used to go to Staten Island Board of Realtors at the time on Nudo Plaza and pick up our books quickly. Oh, yeah. and we talked it, about yeah, that, the book. And and, the, <laughs> and then, I mean, you went through it quickly and said, oh, this looks great, and half of those things are already sold because uh, because of the print time and yep. whatnot. It had like a two-week lag. Yeah. Uh, but those books were the Bible. Crazy, huh? Yeah, crazy. All right, so I interrupted you. I just wanted oh, to get okay. a little more history on that. I apologize. Yeah. You were... You were up yeah. to the stock market history, so let's yeah, pick well, it back it up. International there. money markets, not stock market. International uh, international bond markets, and uh, which is uh, what I was also involved in. Um, you know, besides the foreign exchange markets, but um, uh, so then um, then it was time to to for me to move on because the company that I worked for as a director uh, was uh, was uh, taken over by a bigger company. Um, so it was time for me to move on. So um, I. Um, sat at home for about a year uh, deciding where I wanted to go or at that ripe old age of 48, but what I'd be able to do. My, of course, the, the first instinct was for me to try to get back on Wall Street, but that, that wasn't happening. Um, so I, I thought about things and uh, I said, you know, you're a native Staten Islander. You know a lot about Staten Island. You're in, you, you've been in touch with a lot of people on Staten Island. Um, and um, you know what? Why don't you give real estate a try? And uh, so, I did. And um, one of my neighbors was a broker here on Staten Island. So I, I, you know, went to school, did what I had to do. At the time, it was a forty-five hour uh, course, and then an exam. Now it's seventy-five hours, and I, I truly, truly enjoyed it because I truly enjoy working with people, um, and um, and it was so rewarding. Yet different than Wall Street. I mean, I've served on board of directors while on Wall Street. And, you know, there you were um, um, serving on a, a company board and everybody had the same interests and whatnot. Whereas uh, when I joined uh, the real estate on Staten Island in 1998, a few years later, I was um, elected to the board of directors of Staten Island Board of Realtors, um, where I got involved with the inner workings of, of the industry. And it was, um, I found it, I found it then, and I still find it to this day, absolutely amazing how the, that board of directors is made up of pure co competitors, all different broker yep. owners and broker managers, and, and they all sit around that desk or that, that table once a month, and they, they leave their, their personal interests outside the door, and they come in for the better good not only for their members, of course, that's why they're there, but for the community. Yeah. And, and that's what really drew me to that. And, and then from there, um, and of course, I became eventually, and um, I became um, in 2009 president of the Staten Island Board of Realtors, um, which I, I found to be exceptionally rewarding. Um, and it opened up so many more doors at the, now at the state level because I was representing Staten Island, along with other people of the board, of course, and, and uh, representing Staten Island on a state level. And I got more and more involved in NYSA, New York State Association of Realtors. Um, because we have Cyborg as our local organization, Staten Island Board of Realtors. New York State Association of Realtors, NYSA, is our state organization. That's about 60,000 people. 60,000? Yep. Wow. Yep around the state. And then, of course, there's the National Association of Realtors. And any realtor is a member of all three in New York. And um, National Association of Realtors is about 1.4 million realtors. So um, 
Um, so I got involved both in the state, quite a bit in the state, and some, some work on the national level. Um, and uh, right now I'm involved and in, I'm a member of the Involvement Committee, um, the MIC, and um, there's two uh, individuals from every state representing their state in this national committee, and I'm one of those two people. So uh, I find that to be very rewarding. Um, and, um, and I've also been FPC, which is Federal Political Coordinator on a national level, um, and working with our members of Congress. And um, I've worked with several congressmen uh, from um, Staten Island, the 11th Congressional District, and in keeping them informed as to what, you know, what, um, what realtor needs are and so on. And what's amazing about it and where I find it so self-gratifying, um, especially on the national level, um, is that 95% of where we stand on certain matters and opinions um, is all community-based. It's very, right. very rare that it's just realtor-based. Um, whether it be mortgages or, um, or tax write-offs. So that's not a, like a, a byline. Realtors are part of the fabric of every community. Absolutely. You know, people don't don't quite get that. Right. But without a doubt, we are indelibly tied to all the civic associations and, and just it, we're, we're part of the fabric of right. Staten Island, without that's a right. doubt. Absolutely. So you're, you're coming out of an industry in your 40-somethings, right? Uh, a career that you had been in for 20 years and you're now in a completely different field. So you didn't have any real estate experience prior to that? No. No I mean, sale ex sales experience in real estate whatsoever? None. The only thing that I had experience with was on my personal level and buying and selling real estate. So but here you are that, no. coming out of an industry. You take a year to kind of gather the thoughts and, and chart the course. Correct. You enter into a completely different, unrelated market altogether. Uh, that had to be a scary time. It was. It was because I had one, uh, my two children, I had one um, in high school starting to look at colleges. And I had my older child, my older daughter, um, Jennifer, uh, and she was, um, she was in college. So, um, so the, the pressure was on. <laughs> wow. Uh, but uh, my wife was very, very supportive and very patient. Um, and... Um, it, that, that's one of the reasons why I think I, I did so well uh, in this industry. Um, and, um, and now involved, now especially on the state level, um, uh, right now um, I'm the 2021 nominee to be Secretary Treasurer of the state. Representing um, 60,000 members. Correct. Tremendous. Um, and I will, if um, in October we have our... Um, uh, our state meetings, our, uh, our fall meetings, and there my name will be put into um, to the board of directors to be confirmed. And if so confirmed, I'll be the next year's secretary treasurer, and then I'll be running, automatically running for um, um, president-elect for 2022. And if that's confirmed, then I will be president of New York State Association of Realtors in 2023. I mean, what a story. What a story, yeah. uh, you know, in that short time from when you're in the mid to late 40s to now you're only 50. <laughs> best, best, <laughs> best, best 15 years of my life. <laughs> All kidding aside, to reinvent yourself that way and in a manner that just displays such excellence to be in an association, this is an association with 3,000, 60,000 members to be at that level and to attain those titles and to be potentially the president of this association of 60,000 members in an industry you had never worked in truly is remarkable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I'm you should be, John. I, I've been hammering away at this industry for 25 years um, and... I have not even come remotely close to the accomplishments that you have put under your belt. And that's kind of how we got together. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, okay, you get into this business and what happens? You start as a sales? Yeah, start as a salesperson. And uh, two years into it, um, because you had to do two years before you could, um, before you could elevate yourself to associate broker. 
Um, so I went back to school and um, um, and I did another 45-hour course uh, like anybody does and, and passed the associate broker's uh, exam. So now I'm an associate broker, uh, which is what my title is. Now, according to state, either you're a broker owner, associate broker, or salesperson. Those are the three titles at the Department of State who governs us um, uh, up in Albany. Those are the three titles that, you, that you're entitled to as a realtor. So what are the, the, the two-year period between getting licensed as a salesperson, you go to work at a company, are you moving product? I mean, are you selling oh, yes, things? Yes, You oh, are. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It takes a while to get started. It does. Yeah, yeah. But again, I, I think I had a little, bit, a little bit of help because I knew a lot of people on Staten Island. I was you know, a native islander, and um, I was quite involved uh, with my, you know, when my children were in grammar school, I was very much involved in high school. My wife was PTA president. Uh, she's a teacher in a, in a, um, a local uh, parochial high school at the time. And, uh, and my son's so. tutor. That's right, and your son's <laughs> tutor. <laughs> so, uh, so, it, uh, so it, all those little things helped. Um, and I really do believe, you know, I, and, and I teach this here at Cassandra Properties, as you know. I have like a four or five-week program anytime we hire somebody new into the market before I really let them get started. Um, yep. I like to teach them, you know, the, what the state doesn't require them to know, but what I think they need to know as a realtor because they're helping somebody make the most financial, the most important financial yep. decision single financial decision of their lives. Yep. And, um, and it's quite a responsibility. It is. We, we yeah. talk about that a lot, yeah. that, that this is not an industry, although it, we see it so often, just everyone knows a realtor, right? Like we, we said right. earlier. Um, and I'm amazed at how many people don't put the realtors through the paces and really see if they are an expert in that respective portion of, of the transaction, sure. right? So, um, and again, in this world where digital is changing the game so darn fast, that, oh, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty wild how people don't put more of an emphasis on that. But I think with the continued uh, changing of how we do business in this market, uh, education and reviews and history is becoming more prevalent. We are seeing now more than ever folks are starting to do their homework because it's so easy, right? It is. It's so easy Very to easy. look up your, your local agent and see the kind of work that they're doing. Yeah. So I just want to go back quickly to sure. your, your, your getting started. You're in this two-year period. We tell people, um, as John had said, six months is the baseline. Correct. Right? You know, uh, at a minimum six months before you're going to get your first deal under your belt. And that hasn't changed. It took me just short of six months when I first started. Um, and in spite of all the technology and all the wonderful changes that we've uh, seen over the last 20 years, you still need that six months. To, there's so much to learn. Is there is. Right? The state um, does a great job giving you the background and the legal and all of the what you can and what you can't, what you should, what you shouldn't, fiduciary responsibilities, ethics, they do a really good job with those courses. But uh, there's no textbook that can teach you how to handle real estate transactions. Precisely. Um, there's yeah. lots of books, and um, you know, I've picked up some good points over the years from different books, but because it's such a wide berth, I mean, we handle everything here from the 400 square foot drop-off dry cleaner to I, I did the, the Nordstrom lease at Empire Outlets, right? And everything in between from the $80,000 co-op to the $4 million home in Toad Hill. Each transaction carries with it its own set of disciplines, its Absolutely. own set of um, rules that you can follow to try and drive value with maximum exposure in the shortest period of time. Mm -hmm. So when you get into this business, you know, folks think, oh, you know, the, the fees in real estate, what do you guys really do? <laughs> and until you're on the other side of the table, um, you really can't understand how hard 
the brokers are working for you and well, the agents are working you for know, you. You know, even during the course of a transaction, buyer and seller, and during the course of that transaction, and not only are they working with the realtor, then they're working with the real estate attorney, and then they're also working with the building inspection, and then they're working with a mortgage broker. Um, but whenever there's, whenever a buyer or a seller has a question about any part of that transaction, their first reaction is to call the realtor. Um, so that's where, uh, in one of my teachings, I teach, um, and this is pretty commonly known in the real estate industry, is as a realtor, you have to be the source where you're involved, but you have to be the resource right. where you're not. Right. Um, but you've got to, you're the guy, you're the traffic cop, you're the guy sort of saying, okay, well, this is, you have to talk to your engineer about this, you got to talk, oh, well, we're in, the, we're in the contract portion of the transaction, so now you really have to tell your attorney about that and keep your attorney in, involved in that. Yep. Uh, but they normally come to us and, and we're there playing traffic cop, which is fine, you know. Um, uh, so I always found that rather interesting. That yeah. We're always the first ones to call, and, and, um, and, and again, that's great, you know, it's great. But um, and it just shows the emphasis of how they trust us. Without a doubt. And, and as they should, you know. And like you said, it's a big responsibility. It is. It's a tremendous responsibility. It weighs heavily. Um, uh, folks, yeah. believe me when I tell you that the stress of handling, uh, I, I have far less stress when I'm involved in my own transactions. Yeah. You know, when I'm the, the buyer and or seller, right. um, it's not the same. When I'm handling other folks' transactions, it's heavy. It's it heavy because people are, are really dependent upon you to do the right thing and, and to accomplish whatever the respective task is for that particular assignment. But it's heavy. So you're, you're back in here two years. You go get your broker's license um, and you're the associate broker, still acting as a salesperson. And now what? Uh, then I moved on to another big company on Staten Island where I was manager. Five or six years, and um, and that's within how long of a time period from the day you got your license to the day you make that move? Roughly, I would say roughly that's um, um, twelve years. Wow! So in twelve years, now you go to a large company, and right. you're how many people are you overseeing here? Uh, three hundred. Three hundred people. Mm. And, yeah. and and that was great. That was great for a while. Um, and, um, and for various reasons that I don't really need to go into, uh, because they're a very successful company and, and God bless them, you know, and, uh, um, um, but I, for me, it was time for me to move on. And I decided, um, that I would go open my own company, which I did, as you well know, yep. on, on Richmond Avenue. And then, um, um, I had that going for a couple of years, a few years, um, and then, um, as you recall, I had uh, I had a client uh, come to me from um, from Colorado, and uh, um, I, this was a very very big project, and I I knew that I had limitations for that big project, and I knew that I needed to bring someone uh, on board with me. Um, so that's when I contacted you, James, because I know about your professionalism and your contacts, and we've had many a conversation. So I knew we got along quite well. Yeah. Um, and, um, and sure enough, we listed that big project together and are working on it to date. And, um, I've got a lot of confidence that that's going to come to attrition. Um, and, um, uh, but then, um, uh, it's, you know, you had come to me and said, Hey, how about doing something over here? Um, and, um, and I was ready to consider that. And we came to an agreement and picked up my stuff and my agents and we moved across the road. Yeah, we, and, we merged you in here and yeah. and here we are today. Yep. So John represented um, everything I wasn't over the years. So, you know, uh, I've always been a head down deal guy, right? And, yep. and I'm, uh, we talked about this also a little bit in the past podcast. Um, I've always been focused on trying to, to do absolutely everything I could to get from A to B. And, and sometimes I, I, oftentimes I didn't have my head up and I wasn't paying as much attention to some of the peripheral stuff that needed to be tended to. And you became, to your credit, an unbelievable, wonderful source and friend 
for me. Uh, you didn't have to answer. I mean, I had to call you 50 times, you know, literally like, Hey John, how do you handle this? And Hey John, what's the appropriate paperwork for that? And how do you handle your training? And you know, you even at one point had, had given me the whole playbook on how to, to train the agents. You wrote out this masterful plan. It's a six week program of how to take agents from day one to being confident and ready and productive enough to go out and represent uh, our buyers and sellers in an absolutely professional manner. Uh, you know, and it's a, it's a testament to the person that you are because you didn't have to answer those calls. You didn't have to share that information. And when you had an assignment that was outside of your wheelhouse, as so many were outside of my wheelhouse and why I reached to you, uh, you called me up and said, hey, why don't we do this together and JV it? And, uh, you know, we put that deal together. The deal is moving through. Um, it's going to close in the next 12 to 18 months. It's going to be a wonderful project. And I never would have been afforded that opportunity if you didn't pick the phone up and, and give me that consideration. Thank you. And oh, thank you. You know, it's... Uh, oh, come on. Thank you. <laughs> So I really appreciated that, and it always uh, stuck with me. Every time I would double back to Becca on our ridiculous nightly calls mm -hmm. about, hey, I connected with Johnny today, and hey, I spoke to and, and Becca was speaking to you quite a bit, and it's always been uh, just a wonderful working relationship. So as we were, the, the stars aligned, really, because when I had made the commitment to grow the base beyond, you know, where we were and really start to go after bigger market shares instead of focusing on just the niche high-end homes and the niche commercial stuff. Um, we needed infrastructure. And it, it came at a time when Peter had gotten involved. And so PD was building out the whole back end and Rebecca was building out the whole HR and compliance side, but I needed ops. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I needed desperately to have a trusted source that I was comfortable, you know, bringing into the operation. This is mom's, you know, right. namesake on the company here. This is, uh, this is something that's really important to me and to the family. And you were, um, without question, very quickly, it was, well, if I'm going to do this, I can only do it with John because I trusted you implicitly. And we were in your, your, my complete counterbalance, <laughs> right? Well, it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, and that's what makes for good partners, yep. right? Is, is when you have everybody that's, that's thinking the same way, um, too many times you're missing the things that are happening around. You need someone looking forward, someone looking back, someone covering the flanks. And I think with you and Pete and Rebecca, and of course, mom, I think that we've covered those bases fairly well. So you come on over, uh, we merge the companies and we start building out state-of-the-art website, ripping it down, rebuilding that. You were a part of that and putting in all the infrastructure and all the training. So um, for the agents out there that may be contemplating getting a, a license, you know, it's not as simple. Well, it is as simple, but it's not the right way as you go take a test and, you know, you get your license and now you can go out and sell real estate. You know, do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about this program you know, it's a six-week program, and it's intense. You know, let's talk about some of the things that you cover in this. Yeah, well, I, I, I cover, one of the first things I cover is, um, you know, how um, I, I tell them this is real estate. I call it the course, you know, real estate between the lines. Right. Um, so, you know, how do you address, you know, uh, um, uh, services, the issues on services? You know, how do you address why a realtor is important to the transaction? Why do you, Mr. Buyer and Seller, need a realtor and representation, whether it be seller representation or buyer representation, uh, and which we teach um, in its entirety? Because seller representation, buyer representation are two different things. Um, and um, Two totally and, different disciplines. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, it's it, 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 no agent, uh, if they, they, let me put it to you this way. If an agent is, oh, you got a license, great, here you go, you know, here's a telephone, go do it, and they're left alone, Right. that poor person is not going to make it. Uh, and unfortunately, is going to get awfully frustrated because the first thing I address, the first thing I tell them is, if you do a transaction within your first six months, 
you're having a hell of a ride. Yeah. Uh, because it's just not that easy. It's yep. not like this is the kitchen and this is the living room and this is the full bath. And, no, that's the easy part of the job. Right. Um, um, uh, but you got to be, you know, you got to be a closer. You got to know how to address things. You got to, um, you know, um, know the concerns of both your buyer and seller. And the only reason and the only way you do that is by using your two ears before you use your mouth. That's right. Um, Something I'm really trying very hard. <laughs> Peter and John are both laughing at me. Really? I'm here, guys. If you don't see me. I'm working at that. Right? Like I said, you're my perfect compliment. Right. So, I mean, so, I mean, uh, um, and um, all the different issues involved that, you know, I go over scenarios. I, I role play. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they are, and I tell them, look, I'll go out with you the first or second time, yep. whatever you like. And 90% of the time it's no, you got us ready. And even when we have, and we've had people join us who had a short career someplace else. And, um, and if they were to join us and they didn't have this opportunity. And as soon as they came in, I, I, I put a halt on them going right back out. And I went over, I did an abbreviated version uh, of the, our program, and they were over the moon, not yeah. knowing things. And to your credit, that, that's hard to do, right? When they first hear you can't go out and earn off the hop, right. that's a tough conversation to have. But to your credit, you know, at, at, after they acknowledge, if you're going to be here, this is how it's going to be, right? right? We're not going to send people out into the street that are not prepared. And they go through this course, even if it's the truncated course, they come out on the other side with a, because I get all the calls, right? <laughs> I get all the, wow, like we didn't realize how much we didn't know. And uh, at other places, they're out running around and it, it's frustrating and it's hard. Yeah. And we try to be patient uh, because it's not fair to the agent that hasn't been properly trained. Right. But we come across this stuff all the time and we take it very seriously when we handle sellers' assets, and when you come across agents that just haven't had the opportunity to learn, it's tough and it's frustrating, you know, because it creates in many instances problems in the deal that arise that have to be managed, mm -hmm. and it's tough. You know, right. I, I think that every every brokerage should have this mandatory kind of course, which uh, I wanted to talk about it because I was blown away by it. You know, even with my 25 years in the business. As I was looking through this, I was saying, I, I can't administer this. This is not my expertise. You know, this is, and, and as you came in and you brought that and so many other unbelievable tools uh, to the company, we found a nice sweet spot, you know, where everybody kind of has their roles and, and, you know, here we are rolling along. So John has now been with us two years. Is yeah. it two years? Yeah. yeah. All right, so two years in, and uh, you've got all of the systems in place, and you're adapting technology or adopting technology and integrating it into your process right. masterfully. Um, you. Right? You, your first video walkthrough, I forgot what the numbers were. It was some crazy amount yeah. of hours, yeah. hundreds of hours watched on your listings. Well, you know what? We were... Quite frankly, I, you have to give credit where credit's due, and that, that's not to me by no means. I mean, we're the only, as far as I and I could tell, um, I'm very confident in saying this, that we are the only real estate company, local real estate company, that offers media department assistance. Um, and a lot of money has been invested by you, Cassandra, by yourself, and, and, and kudos to you for having the the forefront vision of, um, of um, uh, this coming. Um, and of course the pandemic didn't help matters any, but it yeah. put us, quite frankly, it put us in a, in a good position as far as servicing our clientele. It sure did. Yeah, and, yeah. and, um, and working you know, with Peter who runs, uh, hey Pete, how you doing buddy? He's still back there in the corner. <laughs> Peter running, the, um, um, running that division uh, with his vast experience. Um, and this beautiful, you know, this uh, podcast room, you know, is, is, is just puts us head over heels over our competition. And it's not that we don't want competition, we do, uh, but we've really strategically 
put ourselves in a wonderful, wonderful position where we could help our clients and customers alike. That's the rub, right? None of what we've done has been, we wanted to do it to one-up what the next person was doing. Right. We, we, we really don't even look at that. It's been a constant uh, re-analysis of where are we, where are the holes, what can we do to do it better? Um, you know, to, to not to do it better than ABC Realty down the block, to do it better for our clients. Correct. And that's been the genesis of everything that we've done from the, the podcast studio to the blogs to the uh, PR division to uh, all of the unbelievable technology that Pete has brought in on the tech side. All of it has been how can we service our buyers, our sellers, our tenants, and our landlords in a more professional manner, quicker, for the best price. And that's just served us well. It's uh, that that is my side. You know, right. I've had those instincts. I've been able to see, uh, but I've also learned to to know intimately what I don't know. And uh, prior to this changing, if you will, over the last couple of years, where everybody you know started to come to the table and I started bringing in these different components, I was frozen because I would try to move these initiatives forward and we grew as a company, but not nearly the way we should have grown as a company. So, you know, here we are today. Uh, I, I'm really proud of, of what we've become uh, and I'm really proud of where we're headed. So uh, I wanted to, to, in the vein of delivering value and, and delivering value to our customers, I wanted to talk a bit about the Staten Island market sure. post-COVID, sure. right? So uh, I'll talk a little bit about the commercial side. What are you seeing on the residential side? I, I, it's, a, it's a hell of an interesting market. We've had um, prior, or du during the course of us being through phase one, and now phase two, and what we could and could not do. Um, I, I saw every single one of our contracted deals on the residential side close. Tremendous. Um, yeah, every one. Um, and um, so we were quite busy, and it was that much harder, especially during phase one, when we still had to do real estate only from our home. Right. But we were able to get it done. Um, and so... At the time, um, in the middle of March, thereabouts, uh, there were 1,649 active uh, listings. That included all residential and all, co all commercial. I, I didn't break it down. Um, and land. But you know, most of it is residential and commercial. Um, and some rentals, if people decided to share that in multiple listings. Um, now, today, as of this morning, because every morning my first thing to do is, of course, grab my cup of coffee and uh, take a sip and then turn on my, uh, my computer and look up the Staten Island Board of Realtors, and I saw 2,102 listings. So it's grown. So it's, it, you would say to yourself, okay, now the tide is moving and maybe tilting toward the buy side of the market, the buyer side of the market. But I have listed personally i had listed four residential properties um oh pardon me i listed two residential properties and worked with those people as buyers as well um and within a week um i had all four transactions done tremendous um so uh, there's still the the interest i'm watching that 2102 number carefully um but there is still, you know, if you price it right, and, and you know, I'll say this, ladies and gentlemen, um, again, a realtor is professionally trained. They know exactly what things should be, where they should be, and how they should be priced. And I don't care which realtor you use. That's, that's the rule of thumb, and that's the law, according to the Department of State. And we have to prove to you when we come and sit down with you and either list your home or work with you as a buyer um, as a buyer's agent, which is a whole other conversation, we'll have at another time, what that is, but um, which is representation. Um, um, we have to show you, be prepared to show you why we come up with the numbers we come up with. Right. And that's fine. Right. Um, but and you, you take uh, your time on that. Oh, yes. You, uh, uh, the only one I've seen go to such lengths in illustrating that process is mom. Mm -hmm. You know, you sit down and something I absolutely love that you do that others don't is you go through closing costs. Yes. 
So few people take the time you bring to every listing appointment, you bring out your closing cost sheet and you take them through from start to finish. Uh, unfortunately, there are those that want to skirt the expense side of this. Sure. And uh, then you have, as you get closer to the closing, I didn't know what, and now you've got people have spent money on engineers and inspections and attorneys and title. And now you have a headache, right? So right up front, you walk the potential uh, seller down the line of every expense that they're going to endure through the process. So right. uh, again, another thing I applaud you from and, and, and it's different than what most folks do. Um, so I think that what we're seeing is with the, so we're talking about an increase uh, of almost 500 listings since March, mm -hmm. but we're seeing the velocity of product and this velocity of the sale is there. Product yes. is moving. So well, we talked about this a little bit when the pandemic first hit, and I think it's, it's bearing out to be exactly what we had forecasted. Rates are low. They're going to stay low for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. So uh, you didn't have disruptions in certain key elements. Interest rates didn't go up. Nope. There was no issue on the supply side, right. and there was no issue on the demand side, short of that moment in time where we just could not do business. There wasn't other uh, economic factors that changed the game for us where you typically it's, it's a, it's a difficult process when you're heading into these recessions, you know, it's a two to three year slow burn as you drop down the slide. This was overnight. Things stopped. I think what we're seeing is a backload of listings that were folks who were thinking of selling. And there are certainly those who uh, have been a bit rattled by what, what happened here and are choosing to relocate. So mm -hmm. when you have those both uh, coming together, I think that's why we're seeing the 500 additional listings in a pretty short period of time. But we're not seeing prices dropping, nope. right? So we have in 2019 uh, for this month, the average list price was $683,000 in MLS. The average list price today for the same time period is 708,000. Okay, now I know folks are gonna say, oh, but what are they selling for, right? So the average sale price in 2019 was 582. Today it's 619. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing as many folks that are looking to pick up and, and relocate, and even with that influx of potential sellers, that were unable to transact during COVID, we're seeing a good amount of folks relocating to Staten Island. Well, that's it. Remember, uh, as it says in all the uh, National Association of Realtor Commercials that we've all seen, um, and they always they always make it a point to, to point out who that is, um, um, confer with your realtor, because every market is local. Yep. And for us now, I think a lot of people are starting to see uh, you know, um, the importance of um, the vast difference between, I should say, from other boroughs and Staten Island. And when they come to Staten Island, they, they see a lot more value for their dollar. Yeah. Um, so even if they weren't thinking about it, now it's part of the, part of their thought process. And we're starting to see that. And I, you know, I, uh, uh, we've always had it, but there are certain people, you know, like myself, I don't know if I'd move to another borough, I'm a Staten Islander, you know, so, and, and, uh, so uh, I don't hold anybody in fault for it, but um, um, a lot of people, when they come here, um, have, a, have a, a completely different outlook on it. And um, uh, that's why I think um, um, we're enjoying a robust market at this point on both sides. Without question. So we're, we're seeing now, and, and on the commercial side, this is applying uh, as well, retail aside, and retail um, on Staten Island, where, where we're not as bad off as people had forecasted. You know, the, the retail market is going to take some time to move through its paces. There was a complete, again, the digital age has turned retail on its head. Uh, some have adapted and are doing brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Others have resisted and are not. With that, here in Staten Island, um, what we've seen is the this is the place to and, and this is going to sound so self-serving but it's not this is a safe place to make an investment right staten island uh when you compare from 9 11 
the 08 crash, Superstorm Sandy. We have never seen these crazy, I call them V markets, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're crashing down. Uh, we also are not on the rebound coming up quite as quickly, but it's safe. We, we've been a, a reliable, safe place to put your money for decades now, and people are starting to see it, mm -hmm. right? People are starting to look at Staten Island. It's not so much the narrative that we used to have where it was the forgotten borough. You know, I think we're 479,000 strong on right. Staten Island, right? They called, uh, the last borough president used to call us the borough of parks. We have 23 parks on Staten Island. Right. Amazing parks, wonderful places for, you know, for whatever the activity may be. Um, a good portion of the borough um, has a park, I mean, I don't want to say in walking distance, but gosh, it's within a couple of quick minutes of any part of Staten Island, right? Okay. Um, we're seeing on, on Staten Island now folks that are looking for a little bit of a change, right? They're looking for a little bit more space. I think that certainly the pandemic has uh, caused people to reevaluate that. Sure. You know, folks that uh, have been traditionally totally comfortable in apartment living, condo living, co-op living, are reevaluating and thinking maybe, you know, we want something different. So we're seeing a lot of folks that are coming in from the other boroughs. Um, and because over the years in Staten Island, uh, we've been resistant to many of the upzonings, we've gone the other way. Mm -hmm. So where so many boroughs uh, upzoned a lot of their M property and a lot of their non-traditional residential land, right to accommodate wild growth, our growth's been steady. So we've held a lot of those assets back. And what that's resulting in today is businesses that are performing and businesses that are doing well are looking for less expensive alternatives. They still want to be in New York for a myriad of different reasons. Uh, so you have the ability where in parts of Brooklyn, they were upzoning and, and changing these, these M properties, I should explain, manufacturing property, M land. Uh, they were changing them to residential, and you had people priced out. The, that contractor or whatever that particular industry was, they couldn't afford that M property anymore because it was being traded as residential property, Correct. which the numbers in Brooklyn are bonkers. Uh, and it resulted in a really strong influx of folks coming to the borough. So I just wanted to run down a couple of more quick stats here on Staten Island. We go around to the trade shows uh, for International Council of Shopping Centers, and we travel around the country, and in certain years we travel around the world, and we sell Staten Island. Mm -hmm. We talk about all the wonderful things that Staten Island has to offer. So um, what we're seeing here is, and what I think we're going to continue to see, is as these residents relocate, relocate to Staten Island, I think there's a big infrastructure package on the horizon. I think that there's going to be a massive amount of money available for these projects. And I think you're going to see Staten Island as kind of the ground zero for a lot of folks in the contracting world to mobilize from. As it currently stands, I think there's a billion dollars that the governor earmarked for the East Shore uh, seawall program mm -hmm. that yes. will be deployed in the coming years. A billion dollars. It's a lot of work. That's yep. a lot of jobs. That's a lot of opportunity. Um, the city, I believe, still has a few hundred million dollars left over from the efforts when they went in and they had to buy the houses back right. uh, from, from Sandy. So as you have these uh, opportunities here and you have the potential for growth and you have a borough that's only 475,000 people, 68.6%, I think at last count, uh, was the uh, the amount of people who own their home on Staten Island? It is, right? It's a it's a it's a fascinating stat because I um, I had hosted a, a luncheon in um, Washington D.C. and uh, um, some of the um, uh, some of the participants in the luncheon were um, uh, CEOs of uh, very large banks, uh, CEOs of uh, restaurant chains, and so on and so forth. And um, at the time, it was two thousand. This was back in 2010, 9 or 10, and they were talking about, you know, they were concerned, um, and I'm so happy I went to this luncheon, because they were concerned and questioned why did Staten Island have such a high level of foreclosure rates at the time. Mm -hmm. And at the time, um, I think I had pulled a stat that it was around 70%, so we're right up there uh, still, around 70%, and I, and I told them, I said about, 
approximately 70% of Staten Islanders are homeowners. Right. I said the next borough, the number two borough at the time, was Queens, and that was 36%. Wow. I said, so you could uh, truly understand why you saw those numbers in foreclosures. And they said, that's absolutely correct. I said, furthermore, I said, uh, you know, it, it shows you the, uh, the urban side of the city. I said, and it shows you that, in my opinion, of course, I'm being biased because I'm a native Staten Islander. I said, but it goes to show you that with 68% of ownership, what yeah. people think about this island because they're investing their money in it. That's the key. There's a very big difference when people are walking through a community. This was a big push, uh, an initiative I undertook when we were uh, working with city planning to upzone St. George. Mm -hmm. There's a very big difference when you have the folks that are coming through the community to get to or from work, and then you have people that live in the community. That's right. It's the difference between someone walking past that piece of trash on the ground or picking it up and putting it in the garbage. When people have ownership, there's a sense of pride. It's absolutely. And it shows. You know, Staten Island, well, we've been knocked by for this, but we're a really proud community. Mm -hmm. You know, we stick together, and uh, we take a lot of pride in our borough. You know, sure. so we're a borough, uh, like we said, a half a million people strong, roughly. Uh, the median age is 39.6, $83,635. That's the most recent median household income number that we have. And we have over 10,000 businesses on Staten Island. So uh, when you couple our infrastructure, if you will, with what we see on the horizon and the changes post-corona, we really believe that Staten Island is poised for tremendous growth on both the commercial side and the residential side. And again, I know it sounds self-serving, but it's, it's not. True. We really are positioned as that the last frontier where you can own property here in New York City, be on the outskirts, but still literally be a 23-minute boat ride to Manhattan. That's right. So uh, folks, take a look at the charts, take a look at historically how we've rebounded and how we have been steady. Uh, if, if you're looking to close your eyes, throw a dart, and hope for a bullseye, this isn't the place for you. But if you're looking for steady, smart growth on both the residential and commercial side, I really think Staten Island is, is a place you have to consider now. We can't oh, yes. be ignored anymore. No, no not anymore. <laughs> no, no. As a matter of fact, in, in many of the meetings that I attend upstate uh, with NYSAR, um, I have everybody teasing me because every once in a while, I'll, you know, you have to introduce yourself and, and uh, you know, John Vernazza, Staten Island. But I go, John Vernazza, Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I've been, I've been teased. So now walking the halls at uh, meetings at, uh, up in Albany, I'll get every once in a while, I'll get, so how's Camelot? It's fine today. It's fine today. <laughs> the Rock. We love it here. It's our. Uh, I'm a native Staten Islander. Also, my mom is a native Staten Islander. Right, so right. yeah. this is you know we're just part of the the fabric here, folks. Um, we're running on a little bit long. There is a million things that we can cover. I think unless there's anything else we want to add at this point, maybe we'll call it a wrap sure. and then we'll we'll get on tap. There's so many things I want to talk to you about on the education side sure. and the disclosures and all the wonderful things that you've brought clarity to for the company. Sure. So thank you for joining. Are you kidding? It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure being part of the Cassandra Properties family. And well, I do mean that. And I appreciate that. And it's a pleasure having you here. You, you really have helped us go to the next level. And, you know, we're, as you know, we've got app development going on. Yep. We've got, you know, we're just getting started. We're so excited. I couldn't be more proud and happy for you to be a part of it. Thank you for everything. Thank you. And we'll see everyone on the next one. Okay, James. Stay safe. Stay safe.